You're listening to KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. Hi, I'm Bavin Victoria. Uh, I am a Portland-based actor and performing artist. A little background about me. I've been uh, working as an actor since I was a child. I started off in theater at the age of the tender age of six. Uh, did musical theater through most of my childhood and into my uh, teen years and early adulthood. Began acting for film, uh, I think, at you know, age 19 or 20, somewhere around there. And have been acting predominantly for film and television ever since. Uh, I've been a full-time actor for the last two years. Oddly enough, the pandemic um, worked out in such a way that uh, I was able to make that shift in careers and very grateful for that, <laughs> aside from all the things that, all the complications that came up around that. But today I want to talk about a few different things, a few different aspects of the film industry from the perspective of a working actor. And uh, the question that I want to start off with is how does media, specifically film, perpetuate bias and lack of intersectionality um, in the realm of casting? I think um, when people think about what media they consume, I think we all kind of have ideas or, um, you know, concepts of what things are supposed to look like based on what we're consistently shown, right? So the biggest example for me, and this is the realm that I, kind of specialize in and and, am always working to work more in, but the realm of fantasy action and sci-fi. And I think for me as a kid growing up, the the biggest fantasy series that I can like pull out of my brain, you know, I think it's a tie between Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at those two film series all the way through, even up until recent years for like Star Wars, for example, where you had films, you know, in the main, the main storyline kind of being released as recently as two years ago, that there is obviously, uh, very little representation for, you know, other than kind of the classic white European looking person. I think Lord of the Rings is a great example of this because we have this fantasy realm, you know, where there's not necessarily a ton of, there, there, there's no rules about what, what certain things, you know, certain check check marks or check boxes that need to be checked off about how a different race needs to appear on screen, right? But of course, we don't see dark-skinned folks in any of those roles. You know, we don't see certain races represented by any kind of ethnic diversity. It's just kind of either handled with prosthetics or or you have the example of like, you know, the Jar Jar Binks example and the Gungans that are specifically you know, made to sound and kind of, they have different qualities that are making them appear to be maybe, you know, referencing the, the Caribbean cultures or or something like that. And it's a caricature of that. It's not even, you know, it's, it's kind of silly that Jar Jar Binks is, (laughs) I I don't want to spend too much time talking about that character in particular, but, um, you know, it's, it's almost offensive in a way. There's definitely physiological references to certain things like they have dreadlocks, you know, coming out of their fish heads or whatever. And it's, um, it's clear, you know, that there's a, a lack of consideration or worse, maybe, you know, that's something that people are using as a trope. And it's not, like I said, it's not hard to see that that is a consistency throughout like the fantasy genres and sci-fi genres, at least in my lifetime. The concept of like 
casting in general being skewed specifically towards a certain look, a certain look um, or representing a very specific type of yeah look or person on screen, regardless of what the role could be or what the what the story could um, how the story could be told or who by whom the story could be told, right? Um, but also the a concept of here are roles that are specifically um, the character is from blank place, Persia, uh, from Egypt, from somewhere, you know, and they're casting European, Caucasian looking folks, right? And so a couple of um, examples that for me really stuck out um, just for me as somebody kind of growing up as a, like I said, a young actor and a young like film lover, the Prince of Persia came out like 12 years ago. You know, the main character is played by Jake Gyllenhaal. The the, the main, the main um, female character is supposed to be Persian. She's played by, um, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's from England. And um, you have this situation a lot too, where, you know, you'll, you'll <laughs> the press w- releases will come out and they'll say like, oh, so-and-so has some amount of this background somewhere, you know, and that's, that's a nice idea. But if the point is, is if I couldn't tell by looking at them for me as somebody who is part Persian, I'm not feeling um, connected to that in that moment. And it's so, and I, you know, I hate to boil it down in that way, but it is important, obviously, that when people like a little girl who wants to be a superhero grows up looking at a screen full of blonde hair, blue eyed people, like that doesn't create access for that person. How is my perception changing, you know, what my expectations are and how's what, what media I'm consuming. Am I, am I thinking about what I expect to see on screen? And is that, you know, is that something, is that a conversation I should be having? Yeah. I think it's just, it's an ongoing conversation. This concept of like whitewashing in film is, you know, is working in conjunction with completely like the, the over oversight of not even casting people that could be, you know, if you have a question mark about this character, does this elf have to be white? Like, <laughs> you know, not only not only that, but then also, no, the elf, this elf character is definitely from a Middle Eastern country, but then they cast a white actor. The, the next kind of idea, you know, that this brings up for me is um, thinking about, I uh, talked, just mentioned the term access, you know, and so um, one, <laughs> one example for me with that kind of, gave me like a, it was like a Renaissance moment for me, like an aha moment. Um, I was in a play a couple of years ago at like a physical theater piece, um, at a local theater company here and in Portland. And I, uh, was playing, (laughs) we called it a space lemur (laughs) and it was, (laughs) it was, uh, if you can imagine this, you know, I was wearing like a a white velour (laughs) or velvet, I think jumpsuit with a big, long, like a holographic tube that was sewn to the back where a tail would be. And it was connected by a bungee cord to the other performer, right? And so we were exploring this idea of like, what would happen if you were moving? There was no dialogue. There was no, um, you know, it was all physical theater. So um, we were, we created this piece and we're exploring the relationship between two bodies on stage, right? With this very specific character, which is really great, enriching and, and fun work to do. Um, and, uh, I remember, uh, kind of doing like a flip or something and, and getting in a funny position and it's, you know, it's all very comical that you can't not be funny when you're attached 
guy the tailbone to another human, <laughs> you know, it's a silly thing. And it was great fun. And there were a lot of kids in the audience and um, we got feedback notes from some of the audience members. And there was this one little girl and I remember seeing her in the front row and I got pretty close to her and we had a little connection moment. And I remember thinking like, oh, she looks like me when I was a kid. That's adorable. You know, and then went back to doing what I was doing. And the, the, we got feedback from her specifically. And she was like, I was so excited that the 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 space creature had curly hair like me. And now I want to do it too. And it was like one of those really like, so like, oh, you know, super sweet moments. But it was like, for me, it took me to, a, you know, took me back to me being a kid. And it was like, what, what would have, how would my mindset have changed if I had had that experience as an eight-year-old little girl? So again, it's just this idea of always coming back to that question. Like, what do I expect to see and why? And how am I, you know, how am I specifically tailoring, you know, consuming media or supporting supporting projects or things or, or making a point to watch things that I think will challenge that belief system and, um, and, and understanding how important and how critical that is for the greater community. Right. I, I mean, at the very least your local community, but then media consumption in fil or film as a, you know, like a global community and a global market, I guess. So if you're just tuning in, uh, my name is Babe and Victoria, and we're talking about the impact of casting and whitewashing in film and uh, underrepresentation or a lack of intersectionality in the realm of casting in film. So I talked a little bit about, yeah, whitewashing this concept of, you know, um, kind of recoding roles to be tailored specifically towards white or white passing actors. Um, the other interesting thing that I have actually seen more recently is um, there's a, a fantasy show on um, a streaming service and there's they cast a biracial actress. Um, and uh, the funny thing about being multi-ethnic and biracial is, you know, with the right hair and they quote right, but with, uh, you know, different hair and makeup, you can completely, you know, you can transform completely. Um, and that's something that I experience and um, often, and sometimes people will capitalize on that and kind of do the token, like, oh, we're doing the diversity <laughs> higher, or we're checking the box, you know, like we're diversifying our cast and then put you in a blonde wig, give you blue contacts and use foundation that's two skin tones lighter than your skin tone. And it's something that happens, you know, and it's really interesting because I think it's a, it's sometimes subconscious. I think, so again, coming back to this question of challenging that perception of what do I expect to see on screen? And it's, um, it's fascinating. And it's also, it's disheartening, um, <laughs> of course, because, you know, like I said, from my pers perspective, sometimes I don't recognize that it's happening, right? Like, you know, I, or if I look in the mirror and I look like my mom, I don't think twice about that, but I don't always look like my mom. I sort of look like my mom, <laughs> you know, and my mother is, she's, uh, you know, she looks very Western European because she is, you know, for the most part. So it's this interesting kind of trifecta, I think that you have with like the, the, the concept of whitewashing where people are just cast, um, miscast, first of all, to accommodate a more white cast overall. Um, or there's just a lack of, uh, consideration for uh, opening up casting or the the concept of who could play this role and what do they need to look like and letting go of maybe some of those expectations. And then also kind of checking the boxes, so to speak, 
casting people who are maybe a little bit more, you know, have a more ethnic quote unquote look or are, you know, maybe don't fit that specific white Western Northern European look and then making them look white Western Northern European. Um, and so, you know, it's, it happens, it's wild. It's, uh, it's strange to be uh, on the receiving end of that. If people, you know, if you're in that position and it's also, you know, it's something that, again, it just kind of reiterates this idea of like, what, what, why do we expect this to be this way? And, um, you know, that's, that, that is the, that's the question. Um, so the kind of one of the other points, you know, that I wanted to, to discuss a little bit is this, this idea of, um, well, I'll use it kind of a personal, personal experience. So recently I've been noticing, especially in Portland and now, no, it's no secret that Portland is not the most diverse city of its size in the country. I, in fact, I think statistically speaking, I think it's like one of the very least uh, diverse cities. Yeah. I don't know the statistics anymore off the top of my head, but I remember at some point in the recent past that, uh, you know, like it was maybe the least diverse <laughs> city, or at least, you know, in the very kind of bottom of the pile. Um, yeah. The whitest major city in America. Um, yeah. And so you, and you see that, you know, you don't, you don't have to look hard to miss, <laughs> um, you know, uh, people of color, uh, in general or BIPOC folks in the city. And, you know, we see that, I think, obviously that's reflected in how the local film community works as well. well something interesting that I've seen developing, you know, for people that are in, invested in, in kind of their local film, film communities. And as a quick side note, you know, I think if you are a lover of film, if you consume media and you enjoy, you know, that kind of entertainment, it's always beneficial to be involved in your local community in that way even though it seems I think a lot of times people have this perception that like oh it's like community theater and you know and it's like yeah I mean sure that's a part of that but you know most most cities have a lot going on and it's it's really it's an investment in the future of film because a lot of the people that are in these smaller markets or regional markets you know I think there's a renaissance going on right now where people are really really focused on these like trying to build up indie projects because specifically we're all fighting against kind of this gatekeeper concept of what film, the film industry has been. And I know the pandemic has changed a lot, has changed a lot of like how that system kind of works. There's been a lot of like people that are in, in the industry in more influential positions that are sharing information to try to you know, to try to encourage people, more people to get into film, to try to encourage more women filmmakers, to encourage more, you know, femme identifying perspectives, both on, on either side of the camera, especially as the people who are writing the stories, which is so um, nice. <laughs> it's so nice. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing that it's 2022. And this is just like, now it was big, bigger conversation, encouraging you know, the perspectives of like femme identifying folks to like write stories and to get behind the camera and to be the the visionary behind how this is framed and how that works. I think Wonder Woman was like a big moment for people on a global film consumption scale where I remember reading an article 
where a woman was like, I was in a theater, you know, watching Wonder Woman on a 30 foot screen and like already just feeling the experience of watching something for 90 minutes that wasn't like completely made like for the quote male gaze or that idea of like those like money shot kind of moments where it was just framed in such a way that was really more about showcasing, you know, how someone's body looks rather than like the coolness of this fight scene or what the story is, or, you know, like the, the thing that I think we all kind of have a framework for in our minds about what that looks like, because we've all experienced it over and over and over again, if you've consumed any media in your lifetime. Right. But um, I think her comment was something like, I, I watched her, you know, land and her thigh shook <laughs> on the screen, you know? And I remember thinking like, yeah, I do remember that moment. And I didn't think that much of it, but it is like, you know, like that wouldn't fly like that wouldn't, they would edit that out because like, oh, heaven forbid this person is like a human with a body that does body things. <laughs> you know, the idea that this woman has to be like perfect, you know, she's a demigod or whatever. Like, I get it. That's the story. And that's the character totally. But like, you know, these very like these moments where people can kind of see themselves, you know, or, or you know, femme identifying folks could have this moment where they're just like, oh my God, it's a woman like shot by a woman on screen telling a woman's story. I love this. Like I feel so much safer or something, you know, or I feel more included or I feel more invested or I feel like I can, you know, really sit in with this and not have that perpetual feeling of like worry. You know, I know when I go and see film, a lot of the time I'm like, I wonder how this scene is going to go down because I know that it's going to you know, if there's a, if there's an interaction between characters and there's any kind of romantic thing or something, you know, you kind of break, brace yourself, um, for what you, you, you know, is coming, which oftentimes is like this very, um, specific way of filming something so that it highlights the, the, you know, maybe more sexualized nature of the interaction or something or, or the person or, you know, or fetishizing or, you know, whatever right like so that like I remember reading that and just thinking like yeah that was you know a moment that I like to even think about but like in that way it gave me a little bit more it gave me personally as an actor access right I was thinking about myself like oh maybe I don't need to be super super I look a certain way or maybe I don't need to fit these exact parameters in order to like have success in this realm because I'm seeing I'm seeing the gate open up a little bit um, from the inside, you know, in this big Holly, like blockbuster film, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically like, again, it's just like, what, what, why do I expect to see that? Or why would that surprise me? Or why would, why would, you know, like there's definitely been times where I've seen something on screen and I'm like, Oh, that doesn't seem right. And it's part of me unpacking, like, you know, why do I think that, that, that is that, why do I think that should be different? Is it because I expect, you know, the camera to move in this way or that way, because I'm, I'm so used to seeing it a certain way. And, um, yeah, so it's just kind of a long side note, but the point that I was getting to about local film in particular is that the thing that I'm noticing is that people, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying that I think, the framework for how things work is that number one, 
everything has a default, right? So if you go into this, this, you know, a slice of life, you know, look, looking in on what it's like to be an actor in Portland, I guess, or whatever, but like, you know, if you go into a cat, like Portland casting hub or some kind of, you know, Facebook group or whatever, where you're looking for casting notices or something, the default, if a character is a question mark, right? Gender wise specifically, we'll just use that as this construct of like gender and how, um, you know, people are moving away from this like binary idea of that has ruled everything for forever, um, at, at least in casting, right? But, uh, you know, the default is always male. The default is always like, well, we're open, but we're going to describe and make the character break down as male, which in and of itself, like it's one thing to be like, oh, perhaps we can see, you know, uh, actresses or, you know, femme identifying actors or maybe, you know, non-binary actors or trans actors read for this. The default is still, you know, even if the, the casting director or the producers or whatever, the showrunners or, or the writers are not attached to anything, the default is still male. And there's like psychology behind that, right? Like you go in and you look, there's plenty of times where I've been like, oh, I'm just looking at this breakdown for quote, a male character. And I'm already saying like, no, yeah, okay. You know, like, am I, am I already like starting uphill at a disadvantage, you know, or what? And I think the interesting thing that's happening is people are starting to go like, oh, but we're willing to see different folks read for this or like, or the character breakdown is white male, 25 years old or whatever, 25 to 30 or something like that. But we're willing to see different folks read for that, which is great. I think that's amazing. But I think it's like this huge hurdle that we have to get over is this idea of what the default is, the expectation for what it's supposed to look like, and that we're making an exception to move away from that. And the exception might be brilliant, you know, or it might be not what we want at all. But the idea is, is we're starting with a baseline of like, quote, white, quote, male, quote, young, quote, attractive or something like that. Right. So it's, it's happening at least in this regional market. I can't speak to other regional markets, um, almost at all, but, um, it's interesting because we're seeing it more and more. And I think people are starting to really open up what they have, you know, what they expect, or people are writing, to accommodate, which is, I hate to use that word, but it, it is that writing to accommodate more diversity in their film. I think the next step, the next natural step is to not think of it like that writing to accommodate more diversity in film or being willing to allow, you know, people that are from different walks of life or different break, different character breakdowns, right. Themselves read for these roles, but thinking about how to create more diverse stories from more diverse perspectives that aren't necessarily stories specifically about race or ethnicity. That's the, I think that's like kind of the next big jump is that, you know, we have a lot of really amazing projects going on, on and off throughout the year. And a lot of the times you'll see that people are making specific, you know, they're writing specific characters or specific stories and they have to do specifically with race, right? It's a, um, I think, how did I hear it put? There's a show on Netflix and they, it takes place in like 1940s Hollywood. And, uh, the, one of the characters is a, is a black writer. Um, and I, I believe he's black and I think the character's gay. Uh, and he, he was talking about how the, you know, he wrote this really amazing story and, uh, the network or the, the, the studio that he was trying to like, you know, have back the, the picture was like, it's a race picture. And, you know, like, so quote, a race picture 
all that means is it was written by a black writer. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with like being a, a story specifically about being black in the world. But of course, you're going to get that perspective because it is a unique perspective to people who have no idea what that is like. Right. But like, does that mean that it has to, you know, fall under the category of like, it can only be <laughs> high highlighted during Black History Month? No, but it's like, that's where we're at. Right. It's like you have all this focus on, you know, kind of making sure that these things that feel separate. I think it's, it has to do with fear. I think it has to do with people not wanting to like misrepresent or they don't want to make it seem like they don't want to, you know, they don't understand. So they don't know how to talk about it or they don't know what space to hold it in. So it kind of gets categorized into its own little pool and then separate from everything else. And then it feels like it's different or other category and then it stays there. And then, so you get you say like, oh, we have these stories and, you know, we want to make stories and highlight the voices of diverse, diverse writers or BIPOC writers or black writers or whatever, or, you know, LGBTQ, like whatever, but then they're over here and they can't be integrated with the rest of the film community. And I find that like, um, people that's, it happens a lot. And I think people are challenging it a lot. People will even say like, why does this, does this character need to be white or is there a, is, is there a specific reason? And um, sometimes people don't know the answer to that question. But again, I think it comes back to what, you know, unpacking those perceptions that you have um, based on what you've been consuming. And what we've been consuming has been dictated by these, you know, monoliths, right? These big corporations, the companies that own all of the streaming services, the, the you know, the big, the series that started how they started with all with a very homogenous looking cast and, and stayed that way throughout. And, you know, and it's like, it's really, it's nice because I feel like it's a time where we're asking those questions. I feel like it's a little clunky and it's not very graceful and people are really afraid of saying and doing the wrong thing, but people are at least having the conversations, which I think is great. And I, I definitely feel myself personally. And, you know, I think this goes out to all the, all the multi-ethnic people out there, all the multi-ethnic entertainers, you know, if you can, think about how to create bridges between worlds and, and foster those and facilitate those conversations more. I think, you know, it benefits all of us that, to do that. If you have the privilege to be able, like I said, to kind of straddle the line or to walk in both worlds or to, to, uh, you know, be in multiple communities at once in that way, then I think it's great. And I think it's necessary. And I think it's um, what we, you know, have to be doing. So I, I invite you listeners out there to think about what media you are consuming. Um, there's a lot of, like we just wrapped up black history month. We're in women's history month, which I, I love that those things exist. And they're also infuriating to me at the same time, because <laughs> I don't know why we get one month out of the, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing, but I appreciate, you know, our collective cultural efforts to highlight things that are important. And I think we should continue to do it past February and March, um, like every day all the time. But I know that's a lot for people, like when they're big conversations about, you know, uh, worlds or things that don't, that aren't relative to you or don't feel like they're relative to you or whatever. I think we're all, you know, hopefully doing the best that we can. But I invite people to think about the media that they're consuming, to think about, what you support and why to think about the stories that are the most interesting to you and to think about where you feel like either a you find access in the media that you're consuming or or where you can create access 
if you're a creator or if you're a person that consumes media, are you facilitating, are you helping that process of keeping the conversation going of um, creating access by what you consume? Right. So um, there's a few uh, folks on social media that do a really great job of highlighting content that's really great content, especially on like streaming platforms like film and movies that um, are specifically focused on diverse stories told from some identifying perspectives, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, are not necessary, necessarily stories about some big struggle or torture porn or what, you know, like that <laughs> idea, you know, they're not all 12 years a slave or they're not all, you know, um, those kinds of things. And I, I invite you to try to try to find media to consume film to consume that is maybe different than what you have been. So maybe making a list, maybe asking friends, maybe asking people, maybe connecting with the local film community um, and just figuring out what, you know, finding out and really engaging yourself in the consumption of media that is helpful to the conversation of breaking down those expectations and those perceptions. And that is actively, um, facilitating representation and, uh, representation of intersectionality in film. So I am Babe and Victoria still, and I've been talking about, um, intersectionality and, or lack of intersectionality and um, bias in the film community, specifically in casting, both on a large scale and on a local community scale. Um, if you want to connect more or continue the conversation with me, I'm always interested in talking about this. Um, you can find me on social media, um, basically at Baden Victoria everywhere. Uh, it goes through a website, Instagram, Facebook, IMDb, et cetera, et cetera. And I uh, hope that you enjoy challenging your belief systems and finding interesting new media to consume. And that's that.